to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma, and I'm your host, Trish Glose. She grills, she smokes, and she's sharing all of it with us. Misty Bancaro on the podcast today. She's known on social media as Seattle Butcher's wife, married a fourth-generation butcher. Mondo & Sons is the name of the business, family-owned and operated since 1932 in the Seattle, Washington area. Misty says she wasn't always in front of the grill. She had a career in retail management, a career she absolutely loved. It was mid-pandemic, though, she found out her position was being eliminated. She took this new transition really by the horns, created her own path from all of this, and she started to grill and smoke meats on social media. She did have a connection, of course, with some pretty sweet cuts. And she says the love just started to pour in, and that's when she got hooked. She's also a little competitive, which may have had something to do with it. We talk turkey, what she's doing for Thanksgiving this year. She gives us some tips and tricks along the way. And she says if you're hesitating about firing up the grill, her advice, just do it. Here's Misty Bancaro. I have so many questions for you. So many. All right. Good. Misty Bancaro, uh, (laughs) Seattle Butcher's Wife on Instagram. Uh, you have, I think at last check, what was it like more than 11,000 followers on Instagram? 11,000 was TikTok. It was 69,800, I think is where I'm at with Instagram. Well, well, Missy, um, thank you so much for <laughs> yeah. being here. Um, I reached out to you because I just recently had uh, Meathead Goldwyn on my podcast and I said, you know, I really want to hear from a female griller and a smoker. So um, I reached out to you and and here we are. You are married to a fourth generation butcher. Lots of questions there. Um, and you grill and smoke lots of things on your social media platforms that are absolutely drool worthy. I mean, drool worthy. They look so Thank amazing. You. Yes, they look so amazing. So we're going to talk all about how you really started this because you didn't really have this burning passion to get in front of the grill, but it, it came eventually. So Misty, let's start from kind of the beginning. Where are you from originally? Well, I'm from a city that's not too far away from Seattle, Bremerton. It's right across the water. So if you've ever seen pictures of Seattle and seen a little ferry boat that goes across, I live on the other side. And I was there, gosh, um, my entire life until I met my husband. Then I moved over this way. It's, it's his fault. <laughs> All his fault. But I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, your husband is a butcher. Right. You guys have uh, Mondo and Sons? Yep. Okay. And that's yep, right outside and- Seattle. Right. Just a little bit south. It's a meat processing facility. Okay. So on a daily basis, he's not necessarily butchering, but him and his brother own the company. And my son is down there now too. And my daughter works there. So yeah, we're keeping in the meat business. Well, you—it's definitely um, fourth-generation, family-owned and operated. I wrote down since 1932. Yeah, yeah. So their family is from Genoa, in Italy, and they, you know, made it here, and that was what happened. The family started a meat company, and my husband can probably tell you all the details with a better timeline than I can. <laughs> but um, you know, his dad at one point was pretty young. Um, when his father had passed on, so his dad stepped up and started another branch of the meat company. There was E.E. Meats and Mondo and Sons, Mondo's Meats. There's different, you know, names that they called it. Mondo is my husband's grandpa. And um, 
so they started literally like two blocks away from our home and the building there we now rent out to another barbecue friend who does the barbecue business um, but since they've grown out about maybe seven years ago they bought out another italian meat company and they moved south for bigger space so now they do processing they do you know custom sausages for healthy food markets pcc uh, metropolitan market uh, new seasons market the ones that all the ones without nitrites and chemicals right so they do kind of a high-end thing there they also supply restaurants they supply large companies like you know google or microsoft for their teams that need meat wow that's impressive i love new seasons market by the way um but yeah. in butchering and this idea of, you know, luckily I feel like we're getting back into it. The trend is swinging towards sustainable protein, right? And, right. and sourcing as local as you can. And if you can't source local, they are uh, sourcing from good, high quality ranchers. Um, but it does seem like at least a few years ago, we have some butchers here in, in our neck of the woods. And I just remember them saying it's kind of a, a trade that was dying off a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to get into the trade. And especially since I've been in the barbecue community, I've had a lot of people ask how to get their foot in the door. You know, and it, from the old school, it was a time where you would just mentor um, with someone who was skilled and you'd learn that way. There's not always a highly accredited program to become a butcher. Right. And at the end of the day, depending upon what butchery, you know, position you take, you know, some of it's very, very hard work and some of it, you know, you get to express your creativity a little more. So it just depends on where you want to learn. I also feel like it's important work, right? Because when we're talking about, I mean, obviously I'm talking to you, you're a foodie. I just feel like, especially when it comes to butchering animals, um, there, there's a lot of waste in a lot of what we do. And yeah. with this trade, you can control that waste, right? right? So where things aren't, you're using really all of this animal that you're butchering. Everything. And you're so right about that because I know, you know, sometimes in commodity uh, plants, they they can't take the time to do some of the things that you might be able to do if you are a sole butcher, right? So, and you know, it's, it's tough and it's so exciting to see what you can do with all parts and to really respect the animal as a whole. I was just going to say, respecting the animal, that just gave me goosebumps because I am a meat eater, absolutely, 100%. (laughs) But I also also am not blind or ignorant, you know, to where I know where it comes from, right? I know that you have to kill the animal in order for for this beautiful steak or whatever to be put on my plate. So with that, though, I want to make sure that where I at least find my meat, get my meat, I want to make sure it's coming from a reputable butcher, the animals right. coming from a good rancher, you know, et cetera. Yeah. It's great to know where it starts. And I've had the opportunity the last couple of years to partner up with the Washington Beef Commission. So I got to go on a couple of tours where we got to actually visit sites, you know, in Washington where we got to meet local ranchers that are providing, you know, beef. And um, I, I learned a lot about just being able to connect with the animals treat them with respect and where it starts is really there, you know, before it even gets to the butcher, you know, mm-hmm. and managing the calves. And it's just an amazing, I've seen, I've met some people that have like a really deep passion for what they do. And those are the kinds of people that really make it, um, you know, feel good to, to shop for, you know, specialty meat. A hundred percent. I love that. Well, we got off on a tangent, um, <laughs> talking about <laughs> butchering. Um, do you feel though it's, 
it's something that's starting to come back. I mean, it sounds like you said a lot of people are interested in the trade. Absolutely. And especially in certain markets where eating healthy and eating natural is really becoming the mainstay. I would definitely to Seattle and, you know, <laughs> Portland and some of the surrounding areas that they're really making an effort in so many ways, even restaurants, you know, finding ways to reduce waste and source, you know, um, quality products for their customers and giving a great experience overall. Um, probably the only thing that is uncertain or, you know, I don't know how quickly the movement will, will take place is just for the overall cost of goods right now. I can't go to the grocery store without, you know, freaking out every time I fill up my cart where I, I didn't used to feel that way. And so the average person may or may not be able to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think why if I'm going to show and tell my meats, of course, I'm going to show these fancy ones, you know, but I also would like to show some basic meat choices that some other people may feel like it's more realistic to access. So the movement is good. I don't know how quickly it's going to happen right now, but yeah. I'm always hoping for the best. Me too. Always. Yeah. It's funny when you go to the grocery store and you're checking out <laughs> and you're like, wait, like, I'm sorry. I think you rang up something wrong. I have, yeah, I have like I 10 things. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? I'm not a Costco load my desk. You know, that's a Costco or Target run, but how could it be my local store? I know. It's right. The same from so you're a Pacific Northwest girl. Yeah. Okay. Um, grew up in the Seattle area. Sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Was food important growing up in your family? You know, that's a good question. It was always important from my mom. She grew up on a farm. Oh. And so I had it. I still do have an awesome mom. And, um, but she always made sure that we were fed, period. Was it important to make the plate look pretty? No. Um, was it important to get the highest quality steaks onto the table? No, 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 no. Um, so, you know, let's see, I was born in 72. So, you know, I'm thinking like, microwaved meals and tea mm -hmm. dinners I and mean, those are kind of fun things but my mom tried to do a lot of home-cooked items very simple very basic now she says I use too much salt but I think it's just because she never did all of her life <laughs> but she loves everything I make now and she's really proud of me but it's just it's funny when I think about food you know for me I was just lucky that I was always fed so like my mm -hmm. mom liked to do a full-on breakfast before we left most days so some French toast or pancakes was my regular going out the door to school. I love your mom. A lot mom. of kids didn't have that. They had cereal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I still had cereal, but like, I also had, you know, good, good breakfast. She's like, a hearty breakfast will help you out. You know, I played softball. So before my tournament, she'd be like, load me up with the, the good syrup and carbs. <laughs> good mama. That's a good mama. That's a good mama. Um, yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, my mom, you know, we didn't have super fancy dinners. I don't think ever until we started to really get into cooking and food, but I was always fed. There was always dinner yeah, and it was around the same time and it was always really yeah. good, good food. Yeah. Same. Like, you know, some, some meatloaf or, mm. you know, pot roast or some steaks and potatoes. There was always little sides, even if they were microwave sides. Like, yeah. That was cute. Yeah. <laughs> our favorite, my brother and I, our favorite was, um, uh, she would fry chicken strips and then make homemade French fries. Oh my God. Oh yeah. As a teenager, awesome. it was incredible. The best. Incredible. <laughs> you had a career in retail management. I believe that's what I read. Yes. So yeah, I've worked for many brands, you know, um, let's see. I, I really started probably in my Victoria's secret time. I was there for a while and just loved it and 
And I got an opportunity to move over. To, that was part of my motivation to move and get together with my husband is because I had to open up a new store over here in Seattle uh, from across the water. And so I got promoted upon promoted. I was a district manager for many brands for many years and had a great time doing it. It was a great time. But it was probably a year and a half ago now um, that my position, my most recent position with Bare Minerals was eliminated. And I took the opportunity to kind of just feel out what I wanted to do next. Ooh. And so now supporting the family business and obviously doing some content creation has been what I'm working on now. It's been fun. So you got promoted on promoted. Why do you think you were promoted so much? I mean, obviously you loved it and you, I read that it was yeah. really, you love that team aspect, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of it. I like building the team. That's probably part of when I think about relating my natural skill set to what I'm doing now is, you know, building the team, building the community. It's strange how that can happen in barbecue on social media, but it is. There's a ton of people I've met in this last year in real life now that COVID's done. I mean, somewhat done. Um, but now I'm able to get out and meet them in person and the community of, you know, helping each other in DMs now is more or less like learning from them next to them over live fire. It's been amazing. So part of its community, I think part of also the relation is, um, you know, being able to see and look for opportunities for improvement. You know, when you're a district manager and you're doing a store visit and you're looking at even the lighting, the placement of the product, the right belt on that bus form or mannequin. Yeah. Like, you know, those are details. And so when you say, oh, some of your pictures are drool worthy, I think I sort of look at that too. And I, I want it to be great because it tasted great. So I want to share that message. And I only know one way to do that. It's to do it, you know, through the customer's eyes. Uh, your position you said was eliminated. Was this during COVID? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they just eliminated all those positions that was district manager. They shifted everything around. Did you know it was coming? So, um, I didn't know for sure, but I felt like there's always a possibility. You know, these are boutique stores and that product is sold, you know, in, in other, you know, large uh, vendors. So I, I wasn't sure what the future might look like. But I was sad to miss my team, but also like, hmm, this is strange. Just to open up new doors and let's see what happens. I was going to ask. Pretty rewarding. Yeah, I was going to ask if you if you embraced it with like a okay transition time or if it was like I'm going to eat ice cream on the couch for 2 weeks and no. be sad. No, I did that's funny. No, I I have um let's see earlier in my career I worked for Liz Claiborne Brands and my position was eliminated. And that was the first time that ever happened to me. It was one of the most fun jobs that I'd had. And I uh, was devastated. And just like you said, I, I didn't expect it, even though the company was struggling. I was number one in the company. Like, how could I go, you know? And I remember eating ice cream on the couch going, this is bananas. Like, I don't understand why, you know? And then like the next week, the vice president was gone and everything shuffled around and I got it. But it was so hard to swallow if you really like what you're doing. And maybe that experience, you know, folded into this one where, I didn't necessarily see the writing on the wall. I wasn't sure. It was uncertainty for everyone across the U.S. I mean, sure. there's a ton of people losing their jobs, but they had taken care of us up until that point. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't sit on the couch. I didn't eat any ice cream. I was like, whoa, this is so weird. I have a whole day now. Everything I wanted to accomplish, but could only do, you know, evenings and weekends, I can do today, you know? So I think I took it in a whole different light. Uh, that's 
awesome. I interviewed um, a psychologist, former psychologist. Oh gosh, it was a while ago, right when we were in the pandemic. And he said, usually in a time of crisis, there's four different kinds of people, a bystander, a critic, the victim, and the navigator. Right. And so you can be same, same. Well, you have to be and in time of crisis, you have to be a navigator. He said, while you can take on those other roles, occasionally the victim, the critic, the bystander, you just can't stay there. You have to, you have to navigate. And so it sounds like you took this elimination of your position and you navigated through that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So Actually, I wanted, let's go back because I just realized, okay. how did you, how did you meet your husband? Because I feel like <laughs> he, I mean, he's really, you know, he, he brought meat into your life while it was all, always there. <laughs> he really did bring it. So how'd you guys meet? He's going to love to hear you saying that. <laughs> brought meat to your life. He's going to be like, can you make a t-shirt out of that? No. <laughs> <laughs> we joke and say, I met him at the meat market. Yeah, we met each other at the meat market. And that's actually the truth. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who knew him from, I don't know how many years ago. And her and I uh, were both working at Victoria's Secret at the same time. And we also did a little side hustle where we sold like nail polish products yeah. at these trade shows. And we loved it because, you know, this company would pay for us to go to hotels. We went to Vegas and Chicago and Florida. And we'd go to these little trade things and, you know, do our little polish and then have fun and party all night and whatever. Love it. And so we had leftover product and we had to sell it in Seattle. It was really close to where his meat shop was. And she's like, you got to meet this guy. Remember I used to talk about Angela? I'm like, no, okay, whatever. And then she went by. He didn't know we were coming. It was like really embarrassing. We're like, I'm going, hi, nice. And he had his white meat coat on. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Are we going to go out tonight or what? So. He'll tell you a longer story someday about how we, you know, went on a date and moved from there, but that's how we met. And, um, he took me out for my birthday and, uh, that same year and we just hit it off right away. He's funny. He's hilarious. He's smart. Um, a lot, a lot of the things that he is really opposite of me. Um, he's really highly analytical, takes forever to make decisions. Um, but solid as a rock and knows his meat. And you know what? <laughs> I was down and determined to stay away from the meat stuff because I had my own thing and I, you know, always wanted to keep it separate. You got your path. I have mine. Sure. We'd always talk about it, you know, for pillow talk, but it's crazy how, how he has now brought the meat to me. <laughs> He's brought the meat. I, I don't know. Yeah. I would buy a t-shirt. I'm just saying, <laughs> um, was he, when you guys started dating, when you got married, who, who yeah. was the cook in the family? Definitely him. Okay. He, you know, is, proud of his, um, even though his mother's French Canadian, very proud of his Italian heritage. (laughs) And he has always been a master of science and um, the chemistry. You know, he's the person that's creating all of these recipes for someone like New Seasons. They have private label. Everything that's their sausage is created by us. You know, so he's the one that is the master behind these recipes. He knows how things work together. And I remember um I'm bragging to my friends about you know I can't wait to see what he made for dinner tonight <laughs> you know <laughs> and working in retail I'm like oh you guys don't believe it you know I brag or bring some leftovers and they're like you got it good and yeah. I'm like, I know you think I should marry him like pretty good right so 
he always loved to do mostly pasta and this now he lives like a keto lifestyle and he does intermittent fasting so we don't get the pasta as much but he'll still break every once in a while when the kids ask for it but yeah that was his thing and I never I mean I cooked super basic stuff that I learned from watching my mom so like expert at french toast right <laughs> my friends laugh now they're like seriously let's see you're doing this I remember spending the night at your house and we go to the pantry and you're like okay we're going to do pop tarts or velveeta cheese and shells what is it guys and I'm like I can't believe it that's so embarrassing that they remember that about me because now I've launched into a whole different creative side well <laughs> it sounds like I mean you were just bitten by the bug for sure did your yeah. um it's, it's so funny. Very similar. My husband, when we started dating, he was the cook. I didn't like it. And I come from a family. I'm from the South. We cook. I mean, we cook, we cook everything, (laughs) all the meals from scratch. And I just, it didn't, I didn't really get into it. And then all of a sudden one day I did get into it and it's just like full force. Um, and we're the same way, a little keto as well these days. Does he, does your husband do like a Sunday gravy, Sunday sauce? Yeah, he's okay. really good at it. <laughs> mm, I bet. Yes. I wouldn't I mind seeing really that recipe it. online. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, I'm, I plan on in the future, you know, collaborating a little bit with the guy. Okay. <laughs> I'll do some work with him. If he's lucky. If he's lucky. If he's we'll, lucky. We'll collab. So bring him in. So he's he's really the cook. And but now, you know, you have you have kind of launched this, not kind of, you've launched really this lifestyle of you on the grill and with the smoker, where was that aha moment? Did you have one? Hmm, I think I did. Um, and then the, the point that led me into all of this to begin with was to get his social media going. I wanted to help him get that started. And when I started looking at hashtags like meat or barbecue, I was actually, you know, fascinated by all of these people making recipes. And it, I mean, it kind of looked easy. And I thought, oh, that's wild. Probably about a year before that, I was I got into um, baking cookies with my daughter, and we ended up making cookies so nice that the school was asking for hundreds of them. And I thought, oh wow, you know, once you get going, you can really do something well. Yeah. So I tried it, and I think my aha moment for taking it more seriously and not just show and tell for fun, and also doing weird selfies in between, <laughs> was, you know. I, I loved the competition. I'm a, a driver of sales, right? I'm a, a person that wants to win and naturally. <laughs> so they had a competition, I think it was for Trader Game Day. And then every weekend they would do some competition and they put out a recipe and then the whole world would make that recipe and use a hashtag to see if you could win something. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even about the prize. Like I just wanted to make the best looking something. For sure. Or whatever the recipe was, I wanted to put my twist on it. You know, so I was like, hey, I, a girl can play in this arena. I want to participate, you know. So I won one of the weeks, but it was just that, I think, that made me realize that I can do it. It's not that hard. And I got a lot of attention during that time. Like, whoa, that's great. You're good at this. I had people coming out of the woodwork asking me for advice, and I was so new at it. I couldn't believe anyone was asking. So that's when I realized that I might be able to do something more here. Well, that's what fuels it, right? When you start hearing from other people like, hey, I really love seeing you cook or, hey, I really love seeing what you're doing or maybe asking the question. I know one of the biggest things for me was um, someone said, I was watching your Instagram video in the grocery store buying all the ingredients that you were using because I wanted to make this soup and grilled cheese. And I was just like, are you kidding me? 
That's amazing. Walking around with you on the screen. That's huge. Awkward. Like, <laughs> all right. I'm going to go to this aisle. I love that. That's totally. a compliment. Yeah. Huge compliment, but it fuels you, right? So you're like, yeah. wow. And that's just one person. So imagine yeah. the people who aren't saying anything to you. Yep. I, I totally understand that. And some there's been so many moments like that. Um, I don't think I've ever had anyone say they took me around on the video. But I like that one. But um, I've had so many people ask for help and people that I meet every once in a while, someone comes by the meat shop and I'm there and they'll be like, oh, are you Misty, Seattle butcher's wife? And they like hug me and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just the lady that's cooking. You know, this is so wild. I appreciate it. And then I also met this lady. She's like, yeah, my best friend, you know, she makes your cobbler recipe all the time now. And I'm like, really? And then she got her on the phone and she's like, listen. And she's like, I love your recipes. And I'm like, whoa, that is sweet. You forget how far it can reach. Okay. So you're starting to, you're, you're really starting to get into grilling and smoking, correct? But doing both. And as you're getting into it, I'm sure you're probably finding out that it's, it's kind of a, a man's world, right? There's not a lot of female grillers and smokers out there. Yeah, it's very true. And it really depends on, you know, there's so many aspects of grilling and smoking. You know, there's like a competitive barbecue community. Mm-hmm. And I have been participating, not competing, but participating by going to events, um, engaging with the teams, learning. I just got certified to be a judge, so I will participate that way. Um, I can't dedicate the time and energy. And I just shared with you earlier, I'm pretty competitive. So I'd probably give my whole life to it if I start on the train. So I'm not doing that. But it's interesting to see that there are ladies coming out of the woodwork. I got to see some women stepping up and receiving awards. And I see I see them working hard, those same blood, sweat, and tears, staying up all night long with their brisket, making it perfect for turn-ins. Like I've seen that work. And then as far as um, social media goes, I'm seeing more and more women participating, but it seems like there are many different ways that they show up. You know, there's not really consistent. Everybody has their own thing. So it's, it's fun to see what people are bringing to the table. I I really encourage women. I really wish that I had more women followers. That's one thing I'd love to be able to figure out how to get more ladies on board. I think I'm at um, 79% men. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And the rest are, are women. So Every year, there's like maybe 1% more women. <laughs> I'm thinking I need to branch out and figure out how to attract more women to the sport to be well, the goal. Well, it's interesting because I I found out about you from Nicole Stover, who yes. is, uh, what is it, Beach Girl Grills? Beach Girl Grills. Mm-hmm. On, um, on Instagram. And everything she does, for the most part, is from the grill. Yeah, exactly. So she she basically said, Hey, I, this, I was like, Hey, I need a, I need a female griller. She said, I have the perfect person for you. And, um, told me to reach out to you, but it is, it's true. There's not a lot of, of you guys out there in this world, but let's, let's make it happen. Yeah. I mean, there's people that are um, working with brands. When I first started, I remember, um, looking at Diva Q from Traeger, um, girls can grill Christy Vanover. She's now doing a lot of competitive stuff. She's an amazing person. We become friends. I got to meet her. Um, Jess Piles does it in a different way, you know, from hardcore carnivore. She's also a meat scientist, you know, and she's, she's got her own light out there. So there are a few key women, I think, for, from a social media standpoint that are, you know, showing up 
and participating. And it's awesome to see more. I'm going to leave on Friday and I'm going to go with a group of barbecue women that are content creators, nine others. And we are going to fly to Austin and we are going to go out to Snow's Barbecue and meet the famous Tootsie. So I don't know if you know Tootsie. I do know Tootsie. Yes. Okay. So we are just, it's so cool to meet in person, number one. And then number two, to go see this iconic woman who's been smoking nonstop, who has just been somebody I think that all of us sort of look, look up to from a work ethic and passion for barbecue standpoint. For a long time, she's been doing that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's so amazing. I'm excited. It's going to be a great weekend. Do you think women are just intimidated? Um, probably. Um, I, I know I was. I mean, I remember, I, I'm still looking right now to the corner off of the deck, and there is a grill out there that has been there for, let's see, how long have I been doing this? Three and a half years. It's gone at least three and a half years, probably more, untouched. But that was the only good grill that we had. That was my husband's. He took like a year to figure out which one he wanted. It was the perfect grill, the Blaze grill. And I think I turned it on twice and I was scared because it like popped and made a sound. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember distinctly, I won't forget this moment because that's when I realized like, I can't believe I was afraid. I didn't even realize I was afraid. But we have seafair parties. If you know about Seattle, then there's a big festival we have called Seafair with the Blue Angels and the Hydroplanes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a big thing in my neighborhood. But a ton of people come over. So on the deck, there's a ton of hungry guys. And my husband likes slate because I live right next door to his brother and parents. We're all three houses in a row. So he was off probably at one of the other houses. And someone was like, hey, can we get the grill going? When are some more burgers coming? I'm like, well, Angela will be back later. <laughs> I was like, now to think about that today, I'm embarrassed. I should have just, you know, fired it up and yeah. taken a whole. But I think that's what, where it stems from. Like afraid of, number one, potentially pop, snap, burning yourself on the grill, not knowing exactly how to handle it. And then number two, it's probably just like, am I going to be able to make sure it's a quality product? How do I know if it's done? That's kind of what I hear a lot. How do I know if it's done? Yeah. And the four weeks, you know? So I think it's just, you know, it's a matter of building confidence through practice and, um, you know, some very simple things and, and women will be able to do it and feel good about it. I would say probably I'm not a, I'm not a griller. I'm not, I'm not a smoker, but it sounds like just, just do it right. Just do that first yeah. Just do that first yeah. brisket. Just try it. Go for yes. it. I had a, I went to a shop class, a Traeger shop class. The first year I started doing this, Angela and I went out and we got to listen to Chad Ward, who's like the vice president of Traeger marketing. He, he did a presentation. He shared a lot of tips. And at the end of it, I remember him saying, you know, you basically just have to get out and do it and do it and do it again. That's, that's how you learn. And I didn't like that answer. I wanted specifics. I wanted the formula, <laughs> you know, and, and he gave, he gave the overall, you know, but basically, and that is so true. You get better at time every single time writing down what you did and trying to make it better. So it's true. You kind of already answered this, but what about it stuck for you? Like, cause it, it sounded like it was just this snowball, like you started and then you got feedback and then you got more feedback and then you got, you know, followers started happening. Was that it? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's also that confidence level. So you start off and I remember like I'd make something, I thought it was great. And I remember bringing a plate around to everyone living right next door to my husband, his wife and kids, you know, and then parents, that's a lot of people on one block. 
So I would make something like a tri-tip steak. I would take pictures of it because reels weren't a thing when it first started. And I thought, wow, this looks beautiful. It tastes so good. I wonder if I did it right. You know, so I used to really cart the plates around and make everyone taste what I did. How did it look? How could it be better and get feedback? And I think after you get over the hurdle of understanding the basics of time and temperature on, you know, especially meat products, you just have this confidence. So I felt confident enough to keep doing what I was doing to get consistency, but also to try new things. I like to try new things all the time. And there's social media, there's all kinds of crazy trends. Some of them are just silly. Some of them are fun and worth trying, you know, but I think I also want to play the game and participate when those things happen. For sure. Do you have a favorite recipe? Do you have a favorite cut? (laughs) Everyone always asks me that. I wish I could say um, my favorite cuts of meat and just for simply eating myself would be a ribeye steak, just a really Mm -hmm. great ribeye steak. It doesn't necessarily have to be a tomahawk, even though those are fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I like the the texture and I like a ribeye steak. I love making tri-tips and picanha. That's what I have in the fridge now. And I'm thinking about how I can do something fun with those. (laughs) So Beef is probably the first go-to yeah. um, for smoking. You know, it's just, you know, pork and then briskets are my favorite. Uh, talking with, I, I've interviewed lots of grillers and, and smokers, and the yeah. number one, I think, advice for them is you have to start with a high-quality meat product if you yeah. want it to be good. It's true. It's true. I just, <laughs> for the second time, tried a hot and fast brisket. So, you know, usually smoke them low and slow and uh, make it perfect that way. Well, I was thinking like, I'd love to be able to perfect this if it actually works. And the first time I did a hot and fast brisket, it was six hours and it was okay. It was actually good, but okay. As far as my visual standards are higher. So I was like, the crust didn't look as you know beautiful to mm-hmm. display. Um, some of them, you know, fat didn't render. And my friends ate it up and loved it, but I thought, I got to do this again. So I just did it again. And I think it was because I had a really good brisket, high quality one. I could tell through the marbling and it was a prime brisket. You know, not everyone can grab those, but um, man, it turned out nice in just six hours. So I'm on to something. <laughs> I'm going to keep working on it, but you're right. The, the quality of the meat matters. And it's, it's sad because I know not everyone can access all of those yeah. fancy cuts. But I think now I'm like, man, well, how much more is that? And what could I eliminate to be able to pay for that if I was younger and, you know, didn't have the money like back in the day? <laughs> I might have skipped on a couple of coffees and I still could have afforded that stick. <laughs> so. Well, you're even seeing people smoke all sorts of things in their yes. smoker these days. It's yeah. not just meat. Oh, no. I do all kinds of things that are not meat. I like to do frittatas I like to do um you know anything pies um what did I just do I just did another berry crumble I like a little kiss of smoke um onto most of my um, chocolate chip cookies I don't know my kids won't buy it I've done it many times they look great but they're like I don't like the smoke on the chocolate mom I'm like all right all right that's fun so (laughs) yeah almost anything almost anything you can do you know on your stove, you could probably do in a smoker, depending right. upon what you have. Like yeah. those pellet rolls, especially, they're really easy to use for that. Okay, so speaking of smoking anything, let's talk turkey. Um, there's mm-hmm. a a little a little holiday coming up. Um, do you smoke your turkey for Thanksgiving? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, I love smoking the turkey. Mm-hmm. So, what? Let's start first with um, what is it about smoking the turkey? Just really separates it from 
putting it in a conventional oven? Well, in my experience, I've had nothing but really good luck smoking the turkey because I don't do it um, super low. Um, I do a little higher temperature, probably 350 is a good spot for that. Um, so it's just enough to crisp up the skin, but still keep it moist inside. So I, I brine them usually. Um, last year I did one that I didn't brine and it was still good because it was a high quality turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think it's that crispy, getting that outside crispy, but the inside tender and juicy. It's so hard to nail that. Um, but the smoker I found are the best results. Last year I did a whole turkey. I usually spatchcock them. So I'm sure you're familiar with that, but yep. what that does is makes it nice and even. So the temperature, you know, you can't miss, you're not going to have raw spots or anything weird like you would potentially with an oven bird. And if you're not paying attention to the temperature in those sweet spots by the bones. For sure. So Turkeys are hard. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big old piece of meat, right? With different, you have different kinds of meat all in this one bird and it is, and I love the crispy skin, but then, yeah, you have to watch the temperature and all of those things. Um, what size bird are you smoking usually? Um, I think last year, I mean, I had two, actually I took four birds last year because I was doing it for practice and training and, um, I did one like for another company. So, um, gosh, I don't know. I think you're anywhere from like uh, 16. I think I did 16 pounds. It's a sweet spot. Um, my birds were not small. Um, but for me, I also did one that was whole that I didn't spatchcock and I did it in a Kamado ground and it turned out amazing. Now I did glaze the outside a little bit, but man, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to talk bad about the non-spatchcock birds because they can still come out nice. You know, okay. and I had it over like a bunch of you know vegetables. It turned out awesome. So. Um, well, let's talk about the brine. Um, brines typically really work for whether you do like fried chicken or even if yeah. you're going to roast the turkey in in the oven. It's a mixture of usually like salt and sugar and herbs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Salt, sugar, and herbs. Um, last year I did one with some pickle juice. And it was fantastic. Mm. And that's what I do for a lot of those, as long as it's not for too long. <laughs> I didn't do it overnight. But I added pickle juice to one, which is great. Um, but yeah, all it does is, you know, keep the moisture inside, you know, so when you're ready to smoke, you just, I don't rinse mine off. I usually towel mine off. Okay. Um, and then, then I season and smoke it. Interesting. And then spatchcocking for a lot of people, it's really just removing the backbone of the bird. Mm-hmm. So it kind of lays flat but it's it gives everybody it gives all the the cuts of the turkey (laughs) kind of on the same playing field right yeah yeah it really gives them a chance to get all of the smoke around them that's what I really like is because you know if you're smoking and you smoke the whole bird the smoke is not getting inside of the bird it's just getting on the outside right but when you open it up and you lay it flat you got the smoke coming all around the actual meat and I think that's probably what makes a difference in flavor. Okay. Have you ever grilled a turkey? No, I haven't grilled a turkey direct. Okay. Other than like the Kamado style. Now the Kamado style, I just had it in a, um, let's see, it was a Finex uh, pan. So I had it in cast iron and I had it over fire um, onto, I don't know if you have any Kamado grills, but Mm-mm. yeah. So it looks like a big green egg. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not really like the same company, but it's a, it's a grill versus necessary. And you can grill and smoke on it. You can do whatever you want, but I raised the temperature to at least 350 when I did that whole bird. 
and it came out really nice. It's on the Instagram. I used some Meat Church barbecue rub. It gave a beautiful color and finished really nicely. And I was surprised. It wasn't until the very end that I had to put a little bit of foil onto um, part of the legs to make sure they didn't burn. Other than that, it, it did a really good job. Okay. So, and there's still some smoke flavor from that grill. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it this year. I really am. I'm thinking about grilling the turkey just just for shits and giggles. Seriously. <laughs> On what kind of grill? Um, a gas grill. Okay. Well, I'd probably treat that like an oven, kind of, you know, and just, I don't know what your gas grill is like, but mine has three different spots where you can really regulate the temperature and, you know, turn some down and turn some up. Right. I mean, you could probably get it to work just fine. You, you might even be able to fit a little box for those wood chips to be able to give it that wonderful smoky flavor in there. I don't know if you do that on your gas grill, but those are great. Okay. Um, my friends, I think it's the name of the company is Smoke Your Bourbon. They have bourbon chips that actually come from bourbon barrels. Yes. Awesome. They have chunks and chips, and now they have a new dust. Today, I'm going to make a cocktail and use the bourbon dust, but I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> But nobody will be able to, you know, be able to, you know, meet your turkey if you do that. Right. <laughs> are you going to put this, favorite. are you going to put this cocktail on social media? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to. Okay. I'm really excited. I love, I love good bourbon <laughs> and I love a good, and, um, kind of the, the smoke in the cocktails is, is it yeah. a trend recently it's that I've seen? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I thought about, um, one of the fun events I'd like to do would be like a Wagyu and whiskey. And then I could have a bunch of ladies out and we could smoke and uh-huh. reverse here from Wagyu steaks and then have whiskey. Don't you think that would be an event that people would want to sign up for? Yes, I will. <laughs> I will sign up for that. I will sign up That'd for be that. Fun. That would be I amazing. Have to find the right, I have some distilleries in mind and thinking about partnering with, but I just really want one of those nights, not just one of them. Like, I think that would be a really fun, regular event, a ladies night that could be a really cool, special thing. Does Mondo and Sons get good Wagyu beef? Like, can you get it around the Seattle area? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Even if, I mean, customers can always come by and pick it up. They're really built for wholesale. They're mm. not quite ready with the retail. They're building the website now and putting in products and, you know, they need me to come down and help out with some of the work on that. <laughs> I've been too busy smoking meat, so I do have to help them out, but, um, I, I see it in the future. Right now, anyone can stop by. We have a ton of friends or even people that have just found out about them through Google or through social media that just swing by and pick up their Wagyu steaks. So they have American Wagyu. They have Australian Wagyu. They have, you know, Japanese. They have it all. And they can always special order things too. So that's nice. And for those who don't know, it's just really a different way in raising the cattle, correct? That's right. Okay. Totally different diet and treatment. So the insides of the Wagyu beef are just filled with flavor. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Um, yeah. Sign me up for the Wagyu and whiskey night. Um, okay. I don't know what I, I, I can do besides maybe just participate, but I'm, I'm willing to help organize. I'm willing to help All right. do some, I'll shake drinks, whatever. Sweet. I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, so yeah. So you're smoking your turkeys this year for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I usually do at least one for our house, one for their house. I get at least three for our family block. <laughs> and then I like to do some for, you know, my mom, 
you know, so I should probably make a list of people and, and get as many turkeys on the grill at one time because it's, you might as well use the space, you know? Absolutely. And then you, you brine all of them and you spatchcock all of them, or will you kind of mix and match? I think I'm going to spatchcock them again. I mean, if I do a mix and match, it'll be a one-off. I'll do it on a different day before Thanksgiving, just because I like to test and, yeah. you know, make sure that if I'm giving any feedback or sharing any advice that it's from fresh experience, not from last year, you know, so I'll probably do some other things. I'll probably go over open fire too, just to see if I can do that. Fun. That would be fun. That would be fun to see. Um, I know one piece of advice Meathead gave that's really smart actually is if you've never cooked a turkey, don't cook your first turkey on Thanksgiving. That's right. That's right. Practice makes perfect because you learn. Yeah, for sure. I was so lucky. The first one I ever made on the trigger was so, so good. So I was really lucky. I haven't had a bad turkey yet. I think if you can follow, you know, some basic instructions, smoking is like, that's an easy way to do it. You can't mess it up. Um, you can overcook it, but really the, the biggest mistake I think anyone can make tur- with a turkey is not paying attention to the temperature. You've got to probe it all over the place and make sure that there's nowhere that's going too far. And okay. nowhere that's, you know, not being handled. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you, wants that. And, and I guess as a griller and a smoker, digital thermometer is a must, must, must. Yes, absolutely. And I have, especially when it's turkey time, you know, if I'm doing something very important or if I'm going to do a brisket that I know is worth a lot of money, even though I got the hookup from the butcher, <laughs> I don't want to make mistakes. So I have, you know, I sometimes almost always use the probes that are in the grill that I have. And, and that's like maybe 80% of the time. But I also have ThermoWorks, you know, they've got the little quick read. I always do that for all those weird spots that I have to check just in case. And um, I also have a meter. So, you know, about those meter probes that are wireless. So you yeah. can work that whole system through your phone. And especially for new people, at smoking that is a great system i have never had it fail me the only part um is you got to keep them charged (laughs) so you have to have it charged and ready to go but other than that they're wonderful so even on rotisseries where you can't have the wires going you put that probe in there and it can still go as long as the fire isn't direct on it for sure yeah yeah temperature is everything i think thermoworks is probably i also have a smoke four that has four probes so i might look like a little scientist poking all over the place and I can read that, you know, at least from my bedroom and see how things are going. So for overnight smokes, I don't know what I do without it. I wouldn't want to wake up every 20 minutes and I don't want to really babysit the fire. I'll do that later when I have an offset smoker someday when I grow up and do that. (laughs) But for now, you know, if I'm taking the easy road, I'm just going to check the temperature and then go back to, you know, cooking or watching my show or visiting with my family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like temperature is everything when you're grilling and yeah. smoking, especially big cuts of meat. Temper it's all about yeah. temperature. It really is. And um, you know, paying attention to uh the hot spots in the grill, no matter what kind of grill you have, there's some some little areas that run a little bit hotter than others. So rotating sometimes. I know I just had that with that hot and fast brisket. I was like checking the temperature and I kept moving it around strategically because I didn't want the flat to get burned. And I didn't want, you know, it's like finding the balance and watching closely to see where the the heat's coming from. And you might have to rotate your dish. No, for sure. Whether it's cooking or baking, and I'm not a baker whatsoever, you have to pay attention (laughs) to your food. I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. True story. Unless I didn't forget it. That's for crockpot. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, unless it's like the Sunday sauce in, in the crockpot, then That's you can right. kind of forget about it for a while. That's right. Um, do you, do you smoke anything else on Thanksgiving or is it really just Turkey? Any sort of other protein? Oh, good question. We always have a uh, prime rib. We always have some beef option because Turkey is, um, uh, to be honest, like we probably have Turkey just around Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's not our favorite meat. Um, and everyone wants, you know, there's some kids, you know, in the family are like, no, I don't like Turkey. You know, they don't do it just because it's a holiday. So we always have, if it's not, you know, prime rib, then we've got some other steaks that we're doing for just variety. You know, we're talking about a meat family. Yeah. So, um, I also sometimes, I think last year we get a ham, you know, even though that's an Easter thing, I yeah. threw in a ham just because some of the kids like ham and they like the ham sandwiches afterwards. So it's whatever, whatever we're in the mood for, whatever we have access to. Sometimes that's it. Sometimes I'm like, well, I have these three things. That's what's going on the menu right. for Thanksgiving. Right. So, um, do you have any sort of special thing you do with turkey leftovers? Oh man, that's the fun part. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, so too. I did casseroles. Um, my gosh, I've done so many things, roll-ups. Um, gosh, what did I do last year? There was like, um, little muffins, any, any way that I can make sandwiches out of cranberries and turkey. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, don't, I can't think of the ones right off the top of my head that I did, my, but I did so many afterwards. Everyone wanted the recipes for those. For sure. Um, my, my go-to yeah. is, um, it's really the only reason I roast a turkey is so I can do this like turkey shepherd's pie <laughs> the next day. Ooh, little, I haven't done the shepherd's pie. Yeah, little individual ones. Yeah. Cause you have leftover Ooh. mashed potatoes, right? Usually. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you can make this. And if you have leftover gravy, you can put the gravy in there too. Oh, yeah. they're to die for. So and one year I made um, turkey enchiladas with like a green chili sauce and they were incredible. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mostly kept like the Thanksgiving flavors together. So I did like a casserole. I did like the stuffed croissant dough and made little, you know, pouches of it together. Um, yeah. Little muffin cups that were filled with all of the good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I, the kids don't love turkey, so it's hard. I make these things, and a lot of the turkey leftovers end up going to, you know, my in-laws. <laughs> they love, you know. <laughs> and I'm like looking at the steak in my fridge, and that's what I'm going to do tonight. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, no, for but sure. But I also don't want to waste, so you know, it really depends. I like what I really want to do is some empanadas. I learned how to do some empanadas for my friend Al, who is Argentinian and Texan. And he came over and was showing us some of his um, empanadas and how to put them together. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to find more leftover barbecue meats to put in those because they are tasty. Oh, <laughs> I love a good empanada. And that's like a that's just like a classic kind of pastry dough for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he deep fries them or bakes them. But, you know, I just I was really like I don't spend enough time. I think I tried making empanadas years ago and it was good. But I thought that's a lot of work. But now that I have all this leftover barbecue meat, like what a great way to use it. Yes, you know, and I have a vacuum sealer, so I have a bunch of leftover good smoked meat. Okay. Well, thank you for the turkey tips. Um, sure. Because I do feel like, especially whether you're in the kitchen all the time, we always, we'll take all the help we can get, right? Yeah. Like, I don't ever think I'm such an expert at anything. Um, I will take right. all of the advice. Uh, we're going to wrap up a little bit. 
Um, but again, okay. thank you so much for talking turkey with me because it's coming up, everybody. Um, let's get to the final three. Best advice you've ever been given. Um, I'd probably go back to back to that original comment I made earlier about continue. Just never give up. Continue to try new things. Continue to try new methods. And don't ever get frustrated. Just keep trying. And, and the more effort you give and the more energy you give, the better you get. Yeah. You get out what you put in, right? That's right. So what you put into it is what you get out of it. That's yeah. what I say all the time. Aw, I, I love that. Um, what's your happy place? <laughs> well, my happy place is probably on a nice, sunny Seattle day out on the deck with a cocktail in my hand mm-hmm. and the smell of smoke in my hair and knowing that I'm going to be able to prepare a nice meal for the family. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a happy place out there. And shutting the door so there's no noise, no chihuahua barking or kids asking me for help. <laughs> Love that. Do you have a lot of sunny days in Seattle? It gets more and more every year. It's mm. amazing. Like we just now last week got our first rain. It felt like summer up until, and it never is like this. October is usually, yeah. you know, moody and rainy and windy. Now it's just now starting to get a little rain. So yeah, I'm the, um, we just got rain and cold weather probably like a week ago and I am a cold weather girl. I love it. Can't, I'm just so excited That's for right. fall. Yeah. So yeah, pretty boots, cozy time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then final, final three in all things food and drink, what do you crave? Hmm. That's so hard. Um, like what always sounds good to you? <laughs> what always sounds good to me is a steak, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a sucker for anything with berries. I love berries, I would just eat berries fresh berries but I love anything dessert with berries I'll usually say yes even if I'm full because it sounds good <laughs> and I do love coffee I'm from Seattle like I have to operate that way so I really love coffee good quality coffee brilliant <laughs> what's your go-to cocktail these days Ooh, that's a good one um I usually just have whiskey neat to be honest and okay. um, that's what I'm drinking if I'm just hanging out with the guys by the grill um but I like a lemon drop. I like um, mojitos. I love margaritas. Um, I love palomas. Anything kind of fun. It just yeah. depends on the mood. Yeah, if I'm barbecuing though and the smoke, it just goes so well, like you said, with the bourbon. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Um, I think we just became best friends. So, um... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Misty, thank you so much again for the helpful tips. Thanks for uh, sharing your story with me. Uh, give your hubby a high five. Tell him to keep plugging away. And thanks for bringing the meat into your life. I will. <laughs> because <laughs> all of your fans, we're reaping the benefits. And again, if, if right. anybody, if my listeners want to follow you on social media, Seattle Butcher's Wife is where to find you. Yeah on Instagram. And that is, that's your TikTok handle as well. Seattle Butcher's Wife MB, my two initials at the end. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. Well, Misty Bancaro, thank you again for your time today. And so excited to see, I hope you're going to post some things from Thanksgiving because I want to see them. Absolutely. I will definitely do. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Gloss. You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.